Yo, have you heard of LinkedIn Learning? If you haven't, LinkedIn Learning is an American massive open online course provider. It provides video courses taught by industry experts in a variety of subjects. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because Living Corporate is in partnership with LinkedIn Learning to provide diversity, equity, and inclusion courses. Listen, if you're trying to be a better ally, you want to understand better diversity, equity, inclusion strategies, or you just want to learn how to be a better leader, you got to check out the courses on LinkedIn Learning. So check it out. You can do it one of two ways. You can click the link in the show notes or you go to LinkedIn Learning and you search Living Corporate again. Link in the show notes or go to LinkedIn Learning and search Living Corporate. I'll see you over there. Welcome, everyone, to the new group chat. I am your host, Vonda Page, and this show on the Living Corporate Network is called Radical Change with Vonda Page. And for those of you who have uh, attended or who are not familiar, um, the Living Corporate Network, one of the entire um, goals is to really amplify the experiences of brown and black, black and brown professionals at work to be able to share um, our experiences um, and to be able to, you know, relate with each other um, in a way that uh, addresses our, you know, unique um, needs, right, and our unique circumstances. And so what I do um, on Saturdays is I bring on thought leaders, technologists, um, you know, um, founders, CEOs, uh, strategists, people who are driving conversations, people who are driving action, people who are driving change. And so I am super excited to welcome Farzine Farzad um, to my show today. Um, you are one of those people, first of all, who has, I just have to say, like just a badass LinkedIn because you say stuff to make people upset. And, um, you know, it's okay, right? And, and you do it and we do what we do. And what I really love is all the conversation around capitalism and helping people trying to understand, right, what the impact of that is. So, you know, before we, um, you know, get it going, I just want to say hi, ask you how you're doing and, you know, just check in. Thanks, Wanda. First off, it's an honor to be here. Um, you know, we've had some great conversations and I'm looking to kind of delve deep into some of the things that we've been talking about. Um, so uh, thank you. I'm, I'm feeling good. Like I'm, I'm ready to go. Like I know that we have like a really, really uh, cool set of uh, topics to, to discuss and go over. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited. So what I want to talk about first is, you know, when we think about LinkedIn, people or any social media, people have a couple of ideas, right? One idea people have is that you can't talk politics at work. Another idea people have is that, you know, um, we're not supposed to talk about things that the billionaires and the rich people don't want us to, to talk about. So I want to talk about how you even said, you know what, the heck with all that. These are the things that need to be discussed. And these are the things I'm going to talk about. Uh, yeah, so that's a that's a great question. So um, I think a lot of that has to do with our socialization into where we, you know, like our quote unquote place in all of the in all of this in the big picture, right? 
Um, the big wigs, the billionaires, the people who have power um, define what that is, uh, you know, and uh, create these atmospheres where you can't do this because you're in this situation. Well, that's not true. Like I, in, in, you know, in my trainings and in my discussions, I talk about these open systems frameworks, like your, you, your organization, you're all part of society. You're all part of human history, right? It, it is all part of a greater uh, and, and global society as well. Like, let's not forget that, right? Like, you know, we, we kind of contextualize things and, oh, we're doing th things here in the United States and they're doing things over there in China or Russia or J Japan, Brazil, et cetera, um, where it all like we're, we're in a globalized society. So it all, uh, you know, influences one another. But these types of uh, these types of conversations that, that are had, like, don't do this and don't do that at work. That is designed specifically to prevent you from organizing and liberating yourselves. Like that is a that is a deliberately planned out thing, so that you don't recognize your own power at work, right? So when you recognize that you are a human being, so it's all open, right? It's all it, it's all part of a fabric of a greater society. So I myself am bringing in 38 years of my life into this particular conversation, into the work that I do. Um, I'm bringing in my my parents, you know, experiences as well, my ancestors' experiences, and from this conversation, I'm going to take knowledge and go on, right? And I'm going to take this experience with me you know, into the future, your organization does the same thing. It's it open it up. It's an open system. There's the, the idea of it being closed and segregated from the rest of society is a false uh, piece of propaganda. So um, it, and it's designed to prevent you from recognizing your power in the workplace. So, uh, you know, talk about politics, talk about your salaries, you know, be open and honest about where you are in, uh um, and so like, and, you know, obviously you don't want to say things that are harming people, like, you know, say things in a manner that are authentic and, uh, exp uh like, you know, to your lived experiences and your understanding of the world, but obviously you're not, you know, that doesn't give you the, open the floodgates to start saying things that are really harmful to certain groups of people. That's not what I'm talking about, right? There's, there's that line. So, um, so like, but, but when you're, when you're trying to build solidarity at work, when you're trying to build, um, like uh, mutual understanding and, and kind of, you know, start to organize and take action and then uh, demand more power from your institutions, society, your political structures, et cetera. You have to talk. You have to talk about your situation and your experience. Yep. And the thing is, you have to also recognize that you are going to get pushback. You are going to get whatever, hate tweets, hate mails, you know, uh, people trying to police your language, trying to tone police what you say. You shouldn't say this, not all this and not all these and not all of us and not this, right? But you have to, uh, you know, and this something for me is just getting more, more and it's strengthening in me, right? This resolve to um, don't worry about that, right? Because literally, what are all the billionaires going to do? Do we think they're on LinkedIn all day trying to say, okay, what's Farzine saying? What's Vonda saying about like they're like literally they're not doing that, right? They've created algorithms, right, so that to flag certain things, right, to keep them from getting widely dispersed. But that's the other reason that we need to have conversations with each other, right? So even think about like how we met on LinkedIn, right? Um, like I just reached out because I'm always just like, wow, this stuff is just so good. 
And then you always give that context that helps you think, you know, deeper, right? And and before we got on camera, um, you know, to share with everybody, I was um, telling Farzine, I grew up reading the newspaper um, when I was five years old. So I didn't go to kindergarten like a lot of kids. And so my grandfather told me every day I had to read the newspaper. So I read the Philadelphia Inquirer, which was um, used to be written on about a seventh grade level. Um, I read uh, sections of the Wall Street Journal, right, which was written on the 10th grade level. And um, in the evening, I would read the um, the New York Times. Um, he would have me read section A of the New York Times. So reading, right, section A of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, Philadelphia Inquirer, right, um, is really going at a young age. It helps to set that stage. So think this is like 1974, 1975, right, when I'm, I'm reading and I'm starting to learn, right, about capitalism and learn about business. And I'm reading about Ford and, you know, all of these these old companies. And and I remember even watching television shows, right, where you see these people with these big houses and big kitchens and backyards saying, well, what kind of jobs do these people have? And oh, I want to live like that, right? And so that mindset and all of that gets built into you very, very early. Yeah, that, I mean that's the that's the whole thing with capitalism, right? It has to produce a culture in order to sustain it, right? So what happens is, and and this is, and you know, I want to be very clear, like, uh, and I've I've said this on LinkedIn before, and I want to be very clear that my personal belief, and you know, I, I believe this is, I, I, you know, this is true to me, is that capitalism is an extension of colonialism, right? So everything's built on hierarchy. So that's what capitalism is first off, like, you know, think of the hierarchy. So what happens is, you know, those at the top, they create structures to embed their own power and wealth and ability to generate wealth and extract. So extract labor, land and resources from other people. Uh, usually they activate ones that look and sound like them to justify so that they can harm people in other groups, right, from faraway lands and, you know, as colonialism eventually becomes capitalism, things like that. So it's all about extraction. It's about extracting things from other people and exploit, exploiting things. But when you do things like that, right, uh, eventually it gets, you know, it weighs on you, right? So like, um, so like you have to figure out ways to justify all of this. One way of doing it is being like, hey, bootstraps, I did all this. I, you know, like, uh, uh, I worked hard, I came from nothing. And now look at me, like you can too, when, um, when we all know that that's not true, because if that were true, then there would be like the, you know, wealth would be like abundant all over the place instead of like a few handful of people controlling it, controlling the majority of the flows of wealth on this planet. The second, and we would all look like our population, right? We would look like how we all look, right? So right. that means in America, there'd be thirteen percent black people, right, in positions in charge. There'd be twenty percent, you know, uh, Latin people in charge. There'd be fifteen percent Asian people. There'd be seven percent Middle East. Like we, like yeah. if, if it, right, we, it, we, it would be aligned to the population, right? But it is in no way like that. Not even close. Yeah. And, and, and that's a, that's a great point because racial capitalism creates the, like it has to have some pressure release valves. It has to provide access for a few people to come in for, for others to be like, Oh, they did it too. Like, it's not just, just not, not, not my race, my race or like my gender, my ethnicity. Uh, 
you know, everybody has the ability to do that, right? So um, there are these pressure releases. It's a very complicated, like, you know, very advanced system to be of, of control. So like, um, so uh, going back to my uh, earlier comment, the second way of doing it is dehumanizing others, right? Like, so like these, uh, you know, with colonialism, it was like, you know, these individuals are uh, backwards. You know, you mentioned savage, the, the term savages was used to kind of describe uh, uh, colonized peoples, like, you know, there's this relationship with God where Europeans were closer to God than, you know. Um, uh, so, like, you do, you create these mythologies, uh, you know, the, what we call capitalist culture. And it, and it bleeds into everything that we do. So, you know, the people who have, they deserve it. The people who don't, don't deserve it because of, so that whole conversations about, like, not divine or, or, or savages ends up becoming, oh, you're lazy or you're just not dedicated and things like that. So these mythologies are not just society. They, like, you know, they they show up in, in, in very, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, easily determined uh, uh, processes in your workplace as well, right? So... Um, so the the conversation then is like well, how do how do I counter, counteract these like the, the mythologies and so you have to really think about when some some of these guys are speaking um, uh, some of these people are speaking about like their success or like you know millennials are this way or Gen Zs this way that's why they're not like you know so you have to you have to think about like where that person stands in their privilege you know what what power do they hold and what is this what is this statement that this claim that they're making, what is it designed to do? What is the outcome of it? Is it to really talk about organically, like their experience in life and things? No, it's designed for a purpose, right? It is, it is a, um, what propaganda is, right? It's designed to kind of create and then change behavior and then change understanding, change framing. So always think about like when you hear, you know, these, the, 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 this, these types of things, like always thinking about like, what is this exact? What, what are you trying to get at here? What are you trying to do with this particular piece of quote unquote knowledge that you're trying to share with us, which is actually propaganda, which is actually designed to uh, embed itself in our minds to, to for us to be complacent so that these individuals can continue retaining their power and wealth. Let's talk about that. I mean, let's talk about the propaganda that happens even if we think about these um, business platforms, right? These business social media platforms, the propaganda that happens, like the list of the whatever best companies for diversity, best companies for this, the best whatever. Uh, the the one of the CEOs um, posted a post either last night or yesterday, and uh, they said that. Uh, some company um, awarded them best CEO for diversity if they gave them a thousand dollars. And it just made me laugh. And it made me think about, you know, what you and I were going to be talking about today. Right. So the propaganda right behind what they want us to believe and, and think is really interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's, that's really funny. Like, uh, <laughs> like, the way I frame it usually is is, 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 is is this way. So they're like, you know, in, in all of this work, there's like, I, I look at it in three separate tiers. One is um, that you can, in, in society, you can, you know, kind of parallel that with the conservative movement at this point. Like there are your active detractors, right? There are active people who are resisting. They don't want to hear it. They're fine with their uh, particular position in life. 
and uh, they don't they don't want uh, change, and they don't want it because they they feel like there's going to be a loss to their specific societal and uh, socioeconomic power. So that's we're not I'm not concerned with them. Like you know that it's very hard to move from that to to kind of a uh, a liberatory mindset, like a liberation mindset, because you're you, you have right usually people have a lot, and those that you know. Um, that's, I mean, that's not always true because, like, there's still the propaganda that goes through, and some certain people who were less, you know, well off sent to support them. But I typically don't kind of uh, um, like try to, you know, hey, let me tell you about how life is and change you. So there's usually that that group, in, and then there's the people who are interested in on the opposite spectrum, people who are in, in, interested in revolutionary change, like ground up. Let's our system isn't working for us. Our system isn't like, you know, we have to really uproot these systems and replace them with things that are egal- uh, systems that are egalitarian, that uh, benefit all, um, that do a lot of the work uh, collectively for us. So we don't have to have leaders that come in and take, assume so much risk and responsibility to change things and eventually get killed or eventually like, you know, fall out of favor with society and their lives destroyed. Right. So like there's a lot of weight, but if we distribute that, uh, power and responsibility and action among the people, um, that's the revolutionary change. So that's, those are the, in the middle. Okay. This is where I see DEI in this, in this very moment, diversity, equity, inclusion. There is a, like the group that can be most associated with, uh, the liberal movement in this country, which is, uh, uh, more closely aligning with the liberalism of Canada and Europe. And uh, so it's like, you know, these neoliberal uh, mindsets. So you believe in capitalism, but you believe in a softer form of capitalism where people uh, have better conversations and are quote unquote, just nicer to one another. It's not about revolutionary change, right? It's about surface level change so that like there's, it gives off an appearance or veneer of, of like progress, but there's no, like the, the, you're still, you're still swimming in a swamp of like, problems right like but you're 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 being nice to one another in that swamp right the system sucks and you're okay with the system but you're you're trying to be like oh yeah don't say that to that person so in in theory so like uh in theory that that you know like you think okay so yeah we want to be uh more inclusive right but without that without that like equity and justice you know you're only going to get minor change so um so you have to uh you have to liberate both your identity and show up authentically to work, and you have to liberate your physical production, your labor, your your, your you know your wealth, and so like uh, those two things. So like the the liberal group wants to is more interested in the liberation of labor through conversations, through like you know very soft approaches, whereas like the revolutionary group is like let me fix the system and we'll have better outcomes in the future for for identity, and so like. Those types of very performative things that you see, like, oh, yeah, this person won an award for diversity or this person being like, those are in the very middle, right? Yeah, that's cute, right? But what are you doing to dismantle the structures that are harming us, right? So that is where I see a lot of, like, DEI existing in the corporate space. I'm not I'm not putting a blanket sort of uh, stamp on the entire industry. There are people that I know that are doing incredible work in really addressing systems and structures of pain and oppression. But um, there's also a lot of people that are interested in the paycheck and are willing to uh, flow with the, you know, the trends of capitalism, 
but soften capitalism, uh, like, you know, conscious capitalism, which is an oxymoron to me. Um, <laughs> it definitely is. It, it, it is. It is. And what I think is so interesting, like when you're talking about the people in the middle, right, the nice, the, you know, passive aggressive, those are those same people working in HR that know that black women are getting paid 65 cent on a dollar that, you know, Asian women are getting paid, you know, 79 cent on a dollar, white women are getting paid 81 cent, like they know, right. But nobody does anything. And so I think it's really interesting you know, that that juxtaposition between the people who they know. And, and you know, I've been reading um, somehow yesterday. I got I think it was after you and I talked. <laughs> I got into a James Baldwin day mm. and I started listening and watching old James Baldwin interviews. And you can't listen to James Baldwin and come out and not be mad. And not ask questions that people don't want to hear, right? And so, like, asking those questions, back to even what you said earlier about, you know, sharing things on LinkedIn, like, about salary, right, and about experiences, right? And even women who I've interviewed, right, on the show who have had experiences, you know, in corporate America, right, where they actually wrote books and and interviewed, you know, people around those experiences. And everything always ties back to what we talked about in the very beginning, the whole capitalism the framework of it. And so what I want to do is I want to start helping people think about it in the standpoint of we are not powerless, right, um, in anything, but we have been conditioned, right, to believe that we are. It's like they got us where they got us where they want us. Right. You know, that expression, like they got us right where they want us. They got us brainwashed and 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 um, and so dependent on that. Uh, that need to try to climb and try to, you know, consume and get more, right? Because we, like we talked about before we got on screen, I said, you know, I had this whole theory. I was thinking about it this morning, probably because I was listening, reading James Baldwin yesterday, you know, the whole thing around, um, they want us, all of us in this country, all of us that are in capitalistic systems to strive for this, to your point earlier, right, this mythical place, right, of you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and if you work hard, you can get this too, when literally they know it's not true. And I believe we also know that we can't be a Musk or a Bezos. Don't we know that? So then what makes us try to conform and fit in and navigate these systems that are not designed for equity to even exist at any point. And even to what Jahari said in the chat, you know, about HR being police, right, to protect the capital, right, and preserve that disinheritance. So they are, they are, they are that extension, right? So if we think about policing, right, from its origins, from slavery to now, and it, it has moved into every aspect of our society, but we all know that the corporate sector, the education sector, politics, it's all a reflection. And it's not, you cannot unseparate any of it, 
mm-hmm. because it's all in place to support capitalism, including white supremacy is in place to support capitalism. So how do we help people to start to, you know, unwrap that in their minds, right? In a in an actionable way. Because I feel like so many people now are just saying, I know, but but I feel like it's kind of like with climate change. If we don't do something, there's no planet B. Where are we going? Right. I uh, I want to kind of go back to what you mentioned. I think it's a super important point because this is something I'm struggling with. And I, this is a big I don't know. I don't know how we have possibly gotten to this part, this this place in our society where healthcare is abysmal. Our climate is like going like we're we're at near irreversible trends like how do we how did we get here like because like every philosophy at some point describes like the ability to um to for us to finally uh uh come to the realization to 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 achieve mass consciousness to achieve like the ability to realize where we are at this point it is it is baffling to me how we in this country are still, after hundreds of years, still uh, uh, sort of um, uh, listening to the, those in power and then not like achieving any sort of liberation. And my theories of, uh, uh, behind that are that, you know, we became certain uh, so wealthy and then we became so advanced in our technology and our ability to produce that we created very, very complicated and uh, layered systems of propaganda so that people kind of think that they have the ability to reach these uh, uh these heights um and so like the pressure release valves were a little bit like more advanced than other countries and so like uh you know the by that i mean like some people were able to kind of make it right um so like there were some some certain things like and and stocks kind of played a role and bonds and like investments where people kind of attained some degree of wealth independent from labor right so uh so there was some like uh, some of these pressure release valves were a little bit more advanced and distracting than other countries. So I believe that we're one one we're the most propagandized country on the planet. Um, you know, other countries that their propaganda machines are very very simple uh, uh, relative to ours. Um, of course, that's a, that's a big generalization. But anyhow, so how, like that is what we're fighting against. It is a layered and complex system. And it's very hard to achieve cons- uh, uh, mass consciousness in that. It's very hard to achieve solidarity among 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 groups, um, because what the you know what the leaders at the top are doing are pitting one group against another, and so like it's you know you're you're at a loss because this group is at a gain, and you know it's traditional values that are being challenged, and all these like you know conversations that are popping up. That uh, you know, let's talk about that. You know, like. Um, where it's, you know, that, that, that conversation is uh, inherently anti-revolutionary, anti-liberation, right? So um, what do we do, right? I think, you know, and I don't, I mean, I honestly don't know, but like my, my, uh, my, my thought process behind this is stop, look around you and realize where you are, Right. Are you any step closer to anything that these people have been promising you, right? Are we any step closer? Are we, are, are we actually further along, f- uh, further back, right? So 
the first step in in consciousness you don't have to read like you know philosophy like european or like indian chinese uh you know latin american philosophy at all to be able to recognize that you are not living your best life right uh, that, you gotta that, let me pause on that <laughs> i have to pause because yeah. i mean that you just said so much you just said so much. I mean, everything from the layers of propaganda, because as soon as you said that, right, I'm like, and then I'm starting to think about what they are, because not even are there layers, but those, all of those layers have these algorithmic hierarchies that are inherently racist that we all know. Right. And, and every time people act like it's stuff racist, it just it cracks me up. But last night when I was listening to James Baldwin, one of the interviews where he said uh, it's I think it's probably one of his most listened to or, you know, most seen where he says, you know, I don't know if the school board is racist, but I know that the books they give my school, my kids, right, are are are, are nonsense and trash, blah, 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 right? I don't know if the real estate industry is racist, but I know that I can't get a mortgage and neither can people that look like me. So yeah. he goes through this thing and then he, and, and he says, you know, as if you are a white person, the question is, do you want to be treated like a black person, right? Would you be, be treated like a black person? And if the answer is no, then you know that you already know. So when you ask in this question, you say, look around, right? And you say, do you have these things that people promised you, whether it's, you know, if you um, vote for me, I'm going to shut off the, the border, mm -hmm. right? Uh, whether you, um, you know, buy this, you're going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days sure. or whether you, you know, get this cream and you know, you're going to look, go from age 70 to looking 27 overnight. So whatever it is, right. Whether it's that kind of propaganda or, but, but to, to, for people to be able to look around, observe where they are and then say, huh, Somebody is lying to me and things are not what I what I thought about. Right. And so that is just that's just deep. That is deep. So my, my friend Maureen said that somebody asked her on Tuesday if Maureen has been her name or if it was her Americanized name. And she said, you know, that her, her feelings, because that's an insult for her parents, her educated Nigerian parents. Right. And then the person started pretending it wasn't my intention to hurt you. First of all, when it comes to names, that thing is so deep. And Maureen, my sister, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm going to Nigeria with Maureen, me and my daughter, because we I'm 87% Nigerian, which I found out on one of those ancestry thingies. Um, you know, um, but but just think about people. And so one of the things we've learned here is that if we don't believe people are right, we other everyone. So they're going to say to my friend here, that's her American. Like what? Why can't she have any name and who owns names? And what is this European centric thing to your earlier point? Right. I mean, and, and whether you take it from the Christianity standpoint or whatever, but this thing of their superiority when literally they stole everything that they have. Yeah, 
I mean, Europe wouldn't have developed without theft, right? Like uh, we're, we're trading in that theft, right? Even, even like, you know, I talked to nonprofits about this, like you're doing good work, but you're still trading and, and you're still accepting donations that were acquired through wealth that was attained through colonization, through the theft of land, labor, and capital, human beings and their labor, right? Literal human beings, the sale of them, the sale of their labor, the underpayment eventually of their labor. Like, so, um, yeah. And, and uh, Maureen, uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, you know, ha- first off, have a wonderful uh, trip. That sounds amazing. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, that, that whole thing about like, um, about like hurt feelings and, uh, and like, you know, um, uh, the outcome uh, uh, of the resistance to that. It's exactly the same things, you know? Uh, so thank you for, po- because like, that is, that is what I'm talking about on a very, uh, uh, local scale. So the response is, you know, the response from the quote unquote liberal would be, oh, I hurt your feelings. Let's have a conversation about it. You know, like, let's, let's talk this through. Let me tell you what I'm coming from. Whereas like you are, you are doing double the work to be like, look, I was harmed. Right. I don't want to talk about this. Right. I don't like, you know, get off me basically, you know, first off, you should know not to say uh, ridiculous things like that. Right. And so that's that's what you know that's what the the system has done right the the system has created the conversation there is role for dialogue and communication in revolutionary process of course there is it has to happen we have to get people to recognize where they are and through that that's uh, the medium is communication right but then there's the whole different thing about let's talk about let's have the conversation as to because what that does is it dilutes the issue so you are coming. So somebody's harmed, and somebody's like the uh, the person in power. Then you come as equals, and you have to navigate that situation. And if you're from a position of harm, you have to talk about it eloquently and elegantly, in whatever like you know, uh, like uh, uh, kind of constructions that the, those in power have created to be able to gatekeep the conversation. And then you have to levy that uh, into the conversation with um, objectivity, with dispassion, and then have a um, uh, uh, you know, outcome, right? Let's talk about it. And then at the end, it's watered down. I'm still hurt, but this person may know a little bit, but I have to also change my behavior too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's deep. It's This is deep stuff. I mean, it's really deep. And I love what Jahari said, right? About, you know, uh, you know, we have to do anti-propaganda, you know, what, and here's what I wonder too. So I, um, because I'm a, a consume a news consumer, I read very fast and I consume and read a lot. So I use um and I hate uh amplifying people's tools, but I use uh <laughs> the red one <laughs> and just to aggregate, right? And then I can separate out world politics and technology and then science, because that's how I that's how I, you know, kind of, you know, organize, you know, how I consume my, my news. And so Jahari's point about, you know, a new pedagogy, right? Because in, in the anti-propaganda, because that, and that's what we're doing. We have to help people understand that those systems and those structures that are out there, those are, they are all against you. Like they are not trying to help you. I, I think about, um, there's a show, uh, it's the, it's the continuation of the, um, the show Blackish. And the producer, um, Kenya, 
uh, did a has another show on um, Netflix called Black AF. I might have told y'all about it, but I love that show. But one of the things I like about it is the theme song is uh, <laughs> it's a rap song. And it says, you're either with me or against me, though. And I think about that. Right. Capitalism is not for us. Like it's entirely against us, right? And so we are all part of it and we're in it and we are operating in it because that's the framework, right? With with which with the side our society is set up. But you're talking about and and you know, even Jahari, what you're doing and things that people are doing, right? We're talking about shifting this whole paradigm. And that conversation of helping people understand that you have power and you have to start to at wherever you are, you got to start putting it into place. Right. You don't have to keep on scrounging and scrapping right after the man's bag. (laughs) Right. You can get your own bag. But I think if we work together on a collective bag of health of safety, of clean air and water and of our basic needs, right? Then we'll all have so much more than that because it's not like our country, if we just only talk America even, it's not like we're lacking in resources, right? What is it that we throw away something about, don't we throw away either 40% of all of the food here? Isn't it 40%? It's a big giant number. And I know I heard in some places it's 60%. But if you think we throw away 40% of food, but it's 30 million hungry children under age five in America, under age five, that don't make sense. So, so, so talk about like what those frames look like, like in actuality, like what would it look like? So let's take a, a company X has, let's take a number 10,000 employees. Let's take a number like that. So company X has 10,000 employees. It's a good company. It's an influential company. People think company X is great, but we know, right, that the power is concentrated at the top. The whole C-suite has eight people in it. It has one person that's not white and it has one person that's not a cis male, but the structure is what it looks like all across all of our corporate structures and organizations. How do we start thinking about that deconstruction of that thought, even of how, you know, those frameworks look. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's, that's a great question. And to get to that, I think I'm going to go into like two like major philosophical points and then kind of uh, go into that. So one, um, I think that this mythology of like capitalism, helping people like around the world to, uh, to like, uh, uh, you know, liberate themselves and kind of attain wealth. And the, it's, it is a, it is propaganda. So, you know, capitalism is an extension of colonialism, you know, in, in my view, in, in, in a historical uh, uh, kind of reading. Um, and so the enemy here, right. Uh, is, is not, you know, buying and selling things. Like we can, we can address that in the future with like, you know, if we want to kind of transcend uh, wealth and money in the, in, in the long run, that's not capitalism. Capitalism isn't making something and then selling it and getting some cash and then going and buying something. No, capitalism fundamentally is about hierarchy. It's about the concentration of wealth and power at the top. That's what colonialism is about. That's what capitalism is about. It's all about power, right? So it's all about power. Ever the 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 uh, common denominator between systems of feudalism to capitalism, even before that to uh, master slave, was about exploitation, power, production, and, and being able to extract power, you know, power and wealth, 
tied. So like power and wealth are now inextricable. Like they're both like, you know, they blend together. So a lot of our organizations now, like with a CEO and like you have your, you know, C-suite, which are the deputies. And then you have, you know, these, these hierarchies, these pyramid organizations like reflect some of the most egregious um, uh, authoritarian regimes uh, in the past. They're like basically run like mafias. They're run like the military. They're run like the church. They're run, run like uh, uh, like religious institutions. And, you know, the same uh, process of like hierarchy. Um, they're run like uh, authoritarian regimes. Like you have a person in the center and you have like they do, you dole out responsibility and they take certain things. So, so that means the power is kind of like ultimate power is at the very top. Now, you now some corporations are a little bit more advanced. There's like, you know, some trickle of decision making capacity that kind of is diffused. Complexity add to it is a distraction. So the more complex the system is, the more we're distracted to it and the more we believe in the system, right? So like going back to what we were saying. So now we have like the, so the enemy here is hierarchy, right? For me, right? I, my, I've, I've decided in my DEI practice that every intervention that I've been doing requires a lot of energy and a lot of sustained energy uh, to be able to continue the, the process of, uh, of like better outcomes for uh, groups that have, traditionally not been a part of the conversation or not been a part of this uh, system um, over time, right? It, it's sustained energy. They're Band-Aids. They're like, you know, uh, temporary, transient, you know, fleeting solutions. Eventually the hierarchy wins, the system wins, right? Even if you have what we will call a benevolent dictatorship in your organization where the CEO is a king arthur or like you know somebody very nice at the top like a benevolent king right in your in your um even like that that does cannot sustain forever right this person has immense power immense uh responsibility immense stress immense like a, a lot of things and eventually there's some authoritarian tendencies will come out right and the system will win the system the structure you've created will win win out right um, and by the way, I'm deliberately not, I'm deliberately trying to use accessible language. Like this is, I'm trying to take hundreds of years of philosophical knowledge and trying to basically, um, because I believe that knowledge is accessible. So I, I, uh, if I do say something that, uh, is, is, is kind of like, you know, uh, undefined or anything like that, please let me know in the chat and I'll try and kind of uh, delve into it. But the enemy here is this hierarchy, right? Colonial feudalism, colonialism, like, uh, uh, uh capitalism, like, uh, imperialism, all of them are hierarchical uh, structures of complexity. So what we have to do, um, and I encourage all DEI practitioners to look at how power is distributed in your organizations and society, right? That is the fundamental, that is equity and justice. That is where we should be leading. Um, otherwise, everything else is going to be a Band-Aid or a fleeting transaction for a DEI pro a program, you'll make your money, you'll move on. The, the, they may make some gains here and there, but they'll always revert back to uh, who holds power. And even if, last thing I'll say before I, I kind of go into the to the to-do, even if certain groups end up at the top, right? Like we have more representation of X group that we never had at the top, right? The system is still going to win, right? Obviously, if you have representation, you're going to make it a little bit better for people like you. But essentially, you're just still swapping out who controls the levers of power, right? So 
uh, people of your 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 background will still get harmed. So, so why don't people that that I before you get into that piece, I I want to understand just thoughts around what makes people. Is it a fantasy mind that we have that we think if we just follow the rules of the meritocracy that we're going to be in that, you know, point oh 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 one percent that they're going to allow in? But but don't we understand and realize that if we do get there and go there, we're still going to have to sacrifice. Right. Because to your point. Right. The house always wins. The enemy is the hierarchy. So even if a person were to get, you know, a person that's been historically excluded, underrepresented, right, um, uh, intentionally, <laughs> but historically, gets even to a position, they're not going to be allowed to bring in 50 yeah. other people that look like them. Right. Yeah, if you get a job as the chief you know, uh, diversity officer reporting to the CEO of this 10,000 person company X, they're not going to let you bring in 72 Vondas, 43 Tamikas, 72 Anwars and a couple of Shrinis. They're not going to let that happen. Right. Uh, yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. That's a point that I missed is that like, uh, you know, if the system is, is if you're swimming in white supremacy and racial capitalism and, uh, uh, heteronormativity, heteropatriarchy, um, all of these like ableist systems, like, and you, 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 you're even like gung ho. I have a justice mindset. I'm going in, I'm going to change things. You know, you're, you're, you're one person. This is a, this is the pressure release valve. You made it and you sit there and you are, you are diversity, right? Like that's diversity, right? That's not representation. You're not like representing your uh, specific group and, and, and being able to kind of uh, enact change. So like, uh, so that's that pressure release valve. Like you, you, but you have a place, you know, a place predetermined by those who control the system and history um, to be uh, that. And as soon as you start, you know, what they believe is stepping out of line about the, the rules that they've created, then you're, you know, you're, you're a pariah, you're out. This is not part of what we, this is not what we envisioned in the job description, which is another way of uh, formalizing and codifying oppression, right? <laughs> Sometimes. So like the job description literally will lay out what you, what you're supposed to be doing. And so you, you go into the position like, well, you know what, this isn't doing much change. Like this, this is a, well, I'm focusing on outreach and this and that. And, you know, I bring people in and, you know, then after a few months they, they leave, there's a mass attrition because of people of color, because of like the system is designed poorly and the system is designed to de benefit white values and white um, uh, like uh, uh, structures of like uh, uh, um, what's good and what's not right. Like literally like morality is based on whiteness. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's a great point. Like uh, even if, even if you um, you have that revolutionary mindset and go and and are at the top, um, somehow make it to um, chief diversity officer, you're not going to have the power to enact change. You are a single person, and this is this is why the, this is so important for distributive power, class consciousness. It's important for people to recognize the power of of solidarity and 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 and, and masses, right? Like. They continue to create propaganda at the top so we don't have this because that is their biggest fear because they know that if we all realize, if we all kind of 
understand the, the situation that we're in, if we realize the power of our own labor and take ownership of our own labor and not have somebody else own our labor and our identities, right? Then that is powerful because there's a lot of us, right? There's a lot like, you know, a lot, 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 lot more of us who are trying to kind of uh, reach the top in this rat race than there are at the top. And so like, um, so yeah, so that's important to, to know, right? Like we, you know, so then comes to the point of like the, the, the enemies, the hierarchy, right? Like the systems, the enemy, right? Like those benefiting from the systems. Yeah. They get corrupted and, you know, like they, be, they turn into, you know, Google's don't be evil becomes evil, right? Like, so like those kinds of things will always happen. Power corrupts no matter what, you know, no matter what, no matter who you are, power will eventually corrupt you. It's time. And it's, it's, it's like power will, you know, so what do we do? So the next logical step is how do we just, how do we make sure that no one person has the ability to make decisions for entire systems or groups of people or like, uh, uh, because once you give power to somebody, you give power to what they know and also what they don't know. You give power to their biases you give power to their specific values and their morality, no matter how open they are to listening. It is inherently designed for things to go through their viewpoint and their lens, no matter how. And like there's research to show that people cannot perceive objective morality. It is like impossible in the human mind. Every human, no matter how enlightened you are, you still view things through a subjective morality. It is filtered through a lot of your experiences and your ideologies and everything like that. So the logical thing is when you're creating decisions, you're making decisions not to rely on the good faith of that one individual. It's to rely on a a group to, you know, you're checking biases, not through like your own mind and okay, I got to sit here and I got to be like, am I making a racist, you know, hiring choice unless uh, or uh, the, 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 the counteraction to that is not like, hey, let's train this person. Yeah, that might have some temporary outcomes. But a better response is a collective decision, right? You, you set the, um, the hiring uh, uh, qualifications, the absolute minimum. You set a very uh, simple, um, non-culture-focused set of qualifications that you need to perform this duty. And then you have a m- multiple eyes. And then you have open dialogue to, to, to like, the, you check biases that way. That is the only, and the organization should be run that way. That is the, like, that is the only way. Like, I, I will I will teach uh, DEI concepts to hierarchical organizations. If that's what you want, fine. But, like, I'm still going to be like, look, you know, at the end of the day, if you really want better outcomes for your entire population, and this is shown in research, there's less attrition in uh, flat organizations and in, in not, not just culturally flat. I'm talking about structurally flat where decisions are done in circles or in, in representative bodies or any type of like, there's a number of different uh, ways of distributing decision-making power and uh, wealth actually. And that's another thing you have to distribute the rewards. You have to distribute the, the wealth in not redistribute. I'm not talking about like, Oh yeah, let's take taxes from the top and then bring it back and kind of no. I'm talking about distribute on the front end, right? To make it um, so because like the average CEO salary is what like 320 times their uh, the the 
individual contributors. That's absurd, right? Nobody, nobody works enough to make like no amount of labor is worth billions upon billions of dollars. Like that is none, none, none. I think they think they're getting paid on their good looks and you know, whatever their uh, parents told them was great about them. Right. I think that's what they think they deserve to get paid about that. Right. Because Right. I mean, like you could think about people who have been in high positions in this country as an as an example, that person that have no skills. Right. Except for yeah. being a, a huckster and a grifter and a, and a clown. Right. But 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 that's what we value. So so, you know, it, this is just so there's so much here. Right. And there's so many ways people need to think about it. What I want as you know, we got about seven minutes or so. As you are thinking through that last, that kind of, you know, part, say a little bit about, hey, you too loud. Say a little bit about, um, about how, what does that actually look like in an organization, right? So we said it looks flat, but, but how would an organization or how would people within an organization, if they really think there may be a few benevolent kings, right, or, or whatever up there, what if you're already part of an organization, maybe give a couple of ways, you know what I mean, to think about using your collective power internal, right? Like, like what, would, what, what would have happened if Amazon would have worked out, right? What that collective kind of power situation would have looked like. But then since we know that trying to do that within those systems is extremely challenging, right? What can we do to start creating these systems right outside of what currently exists, right? Because the amount of uh, pushback that we would get, right, from these systems is going to be tremendous, right? Because you can see what that what that is, even when you take back to how we started the conversation, right? Talking about, um, you know, uh, LinkedIn or these other social media platforms, right? And how they choose to uh, use those algorithms to shut down anti-propaganda. <laughs> so, you know, take a couple minutes, you know, and kind of, you know, talk through, you know, some of that, right. You know, to kind of think about those, those captures for us, you know, as we want to take it away. Yeah. So um, uh, there's no simple answer to that. Like you're going to get resistance and and that's what's going to happen. And you might, you know, it might end up costing you. I don't want to kind of uh, tell you to take a revolutionary approach to anything when you have, first off, like you have families to feed and things like that. Like, you know, Look out for you first off, right? Like, you know, you may you may learn to become uh, uh, aware to your surroundings, but you still have to eat. You still have to live in a capitalist society, right? So make sure that, like, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to tell everybody go out there and just like you know burn it all down kind of thing, like, right? Like, you know, make sure it's a it's a measured approach. Second thing, um, I want every DEI practitioner uh, to pay attention to, or anybody actually. To pay attention to the or uh, to the cooperative space, to the worker-owned space, um, it is growing. Uh, you know, union penetration and union uh, uh, membership in this country is extremely low, but there are a lot of organizations that are popping up that uh, have developed models of distributive power, and that can include, uh, you know. Um, a friend of mine, Ted Rao, who uh, teaches about sociocracy, that's one particular way of doing it. There's multiple ways of distributing decision-making within an organization. Um, Project Equity out of Chicago, what they do is they help 
uh, organizations uh, kind of secure financing and then help them transition into workers uh, getting the f- capital to buy out their uh, companies and and, and mo- mostly like uh, uh, production based, mostly not services, but like, um, but they're doing that. Uh, in Basque country, in the Netherlands, all of these like shared power uh, frameworks are popping up where like um, most most of like the duties are kind of distributed. And if you if you have if you if there's a need for a very specific specialized role, they'll hire that separately. Right. That's a separate position that they'll. But there's only a few of them. Middle management is gone. Hierarchy is gone. Everybody has power. Everyone's distributing wealth according to what they put in. There's a lot of models. And that comes to the the final thing is like, if you're trying and you're facing resistance, you're obviously going to present this to your CEO. He's going to be like, no, this is my company. I built this blah, blah, blah. Of course. Right. There's like um, a lot of companies are moving toward what they call being culturally flat, which is, I I believe is like another kind of band-aid issue. They may have some positive outcomes where, it's distributed, but most of the time, um, uh, distributed in decision-making, most of the time, the wealth does not distribute, right? You have to distribute the material gain of your organization for this to particularly work. And so, um, so what I, what I suggest is like, Hey, if it's not working for you and you don't like this hierarchy, like we as a collective have to develop those structures. We then form our own cooperatives. We form our own worker employee, uh, employee owned, worker owned um, uh, structures, our, our companies, our uh, even nonprofits, right? Like, uh, are, are extremely based on capitalist culture in this hierarchy. So, like, um, where there is uh, where there is resistance, there is an opportunity to create a parallel. You know, and I will say, there's a lot of research. You know, uh, like uh, a friend of mine, um, Paul, he talked about, uh, he t- recently told me about this or- uh, company out of uh, Basque Country called K2K that helps organizations kind of develop these uh, to transition into um, shared power and uh, cooperatives and uh, employee-owned labor and that kind of thing. Um, Mondragon uh, Corporation out of Spain does, uh, and, and, and Dr. Richard Wolf of uh, Democracy at Work talks a lot about this, uh, that specific organization. They're doing great attrition is low. People aren't leaving them because uh, one, you have the power to make decisions and then you have, and because you have a a stake in the outcome, the more, uh, the greater, like, you know, um, the production, the the better the company's doing, you know, you feel good because you're getting paid for it and you get to define your schedule and you get to define how you show up to work in your labor. Why would you ever leave that? Right. You're it's automatically built in that once you create that foundation, you're going to have better DEI outcomes because first off, you're not empowering anybody. Nobody's giving you power. Power is already distributed, right? Like if you have the power to show up as you would like at, in the workplace. Um, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, the reason why I'm saying DEI practitioners to kind of uh, get into this is that th- those mechanisms do not erase the need for DEI. There will be remnants of old systems that show up in the new systems, racism and, and sexism, classism, all those things. Classism will kind of dissipate eventually, like change, but um, do sh- I, these ideological systems will show up. And that's where the DEI practitioner comes. I believe it's much easier for the DEI practitioner to operate in these uh, cooperative uh, systems where power, wealth, and decision-making is uh, distributed. So it's better for the industry. So. I, I I love this. This was like literally. I can't. I, this so we definitely have to have 
more of this conversation. And Ted is one of Ted Rao, who you mentioned, is one of the first people that I I'm so interested to talk to, talk to him um, all day because I mean, like one thing that I love is so I, I think I've shared with people I'm 52. And so one thing that I have noticed and learned is people my age and up, we just have a lot of uh, entrenched old ideas, right? And ways that we have, because we've been so conditioned, right, to um, uh, fit in, right, to the capitalistic framework and to not buck the system, right, in any way, like not, you know, it's hard, I think, for my generation and up to wrap their minds right around these concepts. So I want to continue to bring these concepts out because to Jahari's point, to your point, we have to reestablish um, and, and, and create, you know, a new um, pedagogy around propaganda and around truth and around capitalism and around politics and, and recognize that there is no separation, right, of politics and business. Literally, business determines the politics. Literally, all the CEOs tell the politicians what to do and pay the money to do it, and then the politicians do it. So literally, why we say politics and, and business don't literally is stupid. So I've never been one to accept that argument. But anyway, we could talk literally for hours. I think we need to figure out how to do like a series, you know, on these systems and, and kind of like help people think through, you know, how to actually do it where you are, but from the standpoint of, hey, if you have ideas, right, that you know are going to drive equity, inclusion, uh, wellness, better climate, if you have that, right, then here's some ways that you could start thinking about forming your own organization, your own CE, uh, your own start startup, your own, you know, entity to do these things, right, to create these outcomes that we all know, right, um, that are better for all of us. So it's one minute after. I just have to say thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm looking forward to just continuing to have these conversations. And for everybody, um, you know, if you get a chance, tune in later today at 5 p.m. Central, um, kicking off another new discussion series. But I will see you next Saturday. So uh, thanks so much for joining the new group chat, Radical Change with Vonda Page, and I will see everyone soon. Thanks again.